Welcome to the Screeners. This week we discuss fairy tale blockbusters in search of a demographic, the games we're playing on our mobile screens, audiobooks equal reading, or not, and how Netflix releasing full shows at one time is destroying the universe. We go in-depth in our main event segment as we dissect the new effects spy drama, The Americans. And finally, we dig through the cutting room floor in search of the best and worst trailers. Let's go. From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Welcome, everyone, to the Screeners Podcast, episode number two. That's right. We made it to number two, guys, and we are super excited to be able to bring you another wonderful episode this week. I wanted to just let you guys know a couple of things. Number one, we are now on iTunes, available for you to subscribe. So please head over to iTunes or your other favorite podcatcher and definitely subscribe to us. The more subscriptions we get, more people uh, tuned in, the more excited we're going to be to be able to bring you great content every single time. So we're excited. We're going to jump straight into our episode, right into Jump Cuts. Jump Cuts. Jump Well, hey guys, welcome to Jump Cuts. This is our lightning round segment of the podcast where we're going to ask some questions that have to do with news or current events or just other things that we're interested in. And then each of us will have a minute or less to give our quick answers as we go along. So our first topic today uh, is a question that I would like to ask everyone. The current trend of remaking fairy tales into film, semi-serious films, such as Jack the Giant Slayer, Snow White and the Huntsman, Hansel and Gretel, etc. How do you guys feel about that trend? Josh? Well, we didn't mention this one in the list, but I wonder if Alice in Wonderland is part of this. Because that one was good. The rest of those are just a pile of... Um, yeah, I, I don't know why we're doing it. <laughs> it's not for kids, and yeah. it's not for any reasonable adult that I know. So that's, that's me. Chris, what do you think? Chris, I think honestly, to be to be truthful, I think the problem with this is that most of just like you said, Josh, most of the ones that we've gotten have not been very good, and the the hook for most of these shows or movies are how they can cleverly incorporate like familiar aspects of the original story into a into like a new way. And so, like to give you an idea, like Once Upon a Time, the show on ABC. One of the things that kind of is the hook of that show is, ooh, who is this character? What, what fairy tale is he from? Or what, what fairy tale is she from? And after the first, you know, six, seven, eight, nine episodes, you become tired of this kind of guessing game. And then also, how, how can they be cute about incorporating or reinventing or seeing the, uh, the old story new? And so that, for me... That's just kind of tiring after a while. And I feel like most of the these movies and television shows are just doing that agnosium and it really just isn't very clever or fun they're just i don't know they're they're not really doing a very good job in my opinion of making something old new again they're just trying to bring up a a childhood memory in a way that they think is funny or clever and they don't really do it okay chad yeah josh said uh, asked the question during his answer why do they keep doing it and the answer is money uh, <laughs> obviously at least until jack and the giant slayer which is looks like it's going to be a big bomb i'll be honest though i'm a sucker for every one of these every time i see the trailer i get excited and i hope that this is going to be the one that's going to be good and i'm always my hopes are always dashed against the rocks 
But the reason I have hope about these particular kinds of things is because of one movie that's dear to me and to most of the world, and that's The Princess Bride. You know, you've got a movie like The Princess Bride, which is a classic, which is clearly based on kind of fairy tale tropes. It's for kids, but it also can be enjoyed by adults. There's some intense stuff in that movie as well. So I'm of the opinion that it can be done well. I'm just waiting to see it. I did see Jack and the Giant Slayer last week, and while I was watching it, I did ask myself the question, if I was like 10 years old and watching this, would I love this movie? And I think there's an element of that where I think it would be kind of cool. But for me, the the old version of me, I hate all of these movies. They're all bad. They're all bad, and they're just generic. They might as well, you know, label it generic blockbuster, insert monster, insert lots of special effects, and let's hope it makes money. So I'm over it. Yeah, I think for me, um, I, I want to be excited about them. I would be excited about them if I had any faith that they would actually be good. But it seems like... Uh, they're just kind of going downhill into worse and worse films that I do not want to see. I I did see Snow White and the Huntsman. It was, you know, not great. I haven't seen some of the more recent ones because I just don't really care anymore. <laughs> but to respond to Chad's uh, bringing up of The Princess Bride, I'm not entirely sure that's a good example because The Princess Bride was not a remake of a fairy tale. It's its, its own fairy tale. So when you're remaking these stories and you're not adding anything new or yeah. better or different that's a different scenario instead of making a new fairy tale which could totally be a good thing i just feel like when you're retelling a story if you're not add- adding anything great to it then what's the point so hmm. that's my thoughts that's true that's i need point. to amend my answer because i said alice in wonderland and that's not really a fairy tale that's just a story so i think they all yeah. suck all these fairy tales <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you yeah. know you, you you look back i mean what is a fairy tale a fairy tale is just something that's kind of gained a big status over time right i mean these all used to be books at some point right or i don't know yeah so they're all published short stories i mean what constitutes books shut up i (laughs) (laughs) I mean what what constitutes a fairy tale right but i mean i think i think you're right though i think princess bride is i mean it's more of a fantasy than it is a i don't know it's it's a fairy tale it's kind of a fairy tale it's got the the quest for the the princess and it's got the different that's like one of the rings that's the hobbit yeah but like melody said it's it's not not a remake remake. it's an it's a story it's like an original script yeah but that's not that again is not the reason it is or isn't a good movie because it's original it's just a good movie but we're talking about fairy tales that have been made into remade or remade into a into a film so anyway mr guyton i agree but i think a movie can be remade into a film that is excellent it just hasn't sure. happened yet true and yeah. princess bride just gives me hope shut up princess bride is a wonderful film it i, I we, we film. don't we don't disagree with that i just i'm just not sure it fits into this or not all but, right question number two are audiobooks a suitable replacement for reading with your eyes like we used to chris absolutely uh, it's a different experience, but it's just as valid. You're getting the exact same information. You're getting the exact same, especially when it comes to nonfiction, I would argue. Maybe a little bit, you know, when you're when you're reading fiction, the argument can be made that, you know, you're diving into your own realm. And depending upon how you read, you go back and forth and all that kind of thing. But I think for the most part, especially nonfiction books, audiobooks work extremely well. If you're busy, if you're doing, you know, if you're driving, obviously you shouldn't be reading while you're driving, but you can turn that time into productive time. I really do think that you're, you are consuming the book as, you know, as just as much as you would be if you were reading the words themselves on the page. Melody? Okay, so for me as a reader, as a fan of reading, 
I find it annoying when people say they read a book and really they just listen to it. That's not obviously reading. And <laughs> if I were, it, well, it's not, you're not reading the words, you're, you're listening. It's not that you're not getting the content, but you're not reading. So, you know, if I would have been asked this question a few weeks ago, I would have said, no, they're not a suitable replacement. Reading is way better. However, last couple months, I guess, I've kind of delved a little bit more into the audiobook world simply because my time is limited. And there were specifically some nonfiction books that I wanted to read. And I do have the drive time available to do it. And that does fit into my schedule. So I would agree with Chris a little bit. I think that it is a suitable replacement, especially for nonfiction. Personally, I would not really choose to listen to a fiction book as an audiobook. If it's something I'm really going to enjoy, I'm going to enjoy it way more reading it myself and not having someone tell me how the characters talk or things like that. So in a word, yes for nonfiction. In a word. Four or three. <laughs> that was, wow. Um, what do you think, Chet? Well, Josh, I know Josh is our resident language snob. He has the degrees to back it up, so I'm interested to hear what you have to say. But I actually did a little bit of my homework here because I had a, a preconceived idea that I was 100% no, that listening is not the same as reading, and I still feel that way. But evidently, there have been some studies that have been done that shows that the cognitive process is about the same whether you're listening or reading. So there's kind of the argument to be made that it is kind of the same in retention. There's not a substantial difference in retention. The one thing I guess that I notice is really the only time I ever want to do an audiobook is when I'm doing other things like driving or, you know, I'm in a place where I've got a few minutes to pop in uh, some headphones and I'm always distracted when I'm doing that. Because it's very easy for me just listening to other podcasts and listening to the radio to just kind of zone out and hear it, but not really hear it. So to me, I still think I prefer reading, but I, I have a hard time saying that it's not. You might have noticed in our notes when we were planning this out that I, my answer to this question was a complete non sequitur because I read audiobook as ebook because in my mind, audiobooks <laughs> don't count at all. They're not ah. books. No. Ooh. I'm, I'm just kidding. Nonfiction, like, Everyone else has said it depends on the book, in my opinion, but I think nonfiction can be digested as well. And I'm with Melody. I don't usually want to hear for fiction. I don't want to hear someone else pick the voices for me and things like that. But those studies that you brought up, Chad, are kind of interesting and your commentary on them too, because I would say the same thing. What are the controls for the study? Because in my mind, you have to say, you have to take the average audiobook experience and the average holding the book experience to actually compare the two. If you're comparing audiobooks and visual books in a sterile environment with no other sensory input, then it's your brain is processing language and the same part of your brain is doing it, whether you're hearing it or reading it. But <laughs> hey. Chris. He makes a good who, point. Who, who he has a master's here? degree. <laughs> has a master's degree in linguistics. Shut your face. He's earned the right to give that boring speech. Thank who, who you very much. Heck, who the heck brought science into this conversation? I'm going to ask that first. That's ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Well, the question says, how do you feel about replacement it? for reading? Josh, how do you feel about it? Do you think it is or isn't? Uh, Never mind. Your time's up. Yes. Moving on. <laughs> good. Wow. That was Look, amazing. you can talk about fairy tales for five minutes. That's true. <laughs> I, I, I have a minute. Processing language and suddenly yours shuts off. Well, yes, it does. I, that was, I, I was, told you Chris is anti-reading. We've already am, established this. No, uh, no, can I just ask this question real quick and find out exactly what you guys think? Is there a quick yes or no? So if somebody were to say, I read that book and what they had done is actually listened to that book, 
Is that a proper word to use? Or should they indeed say, hey, I listened to that book? After consuming an audiobook, can you then say, hey, I read that? No. No. You cannot. Uh, see, I, I don't I disagree. I think you can say I read it. Okay, well, you're no, outvoted. You're wrong. The, <laughs> I don't know. All right. Cool. Let's go back to that Let's degree go. and talk about the semantics of the word red. Oh, my gosh. Could we not? Question we three. Go ahead. You know what? Let's let's move on. And uh, that Thank is... you, Josh, for bringing a little respectability to this podcast. <laughs> Thank and you also for... putting our audience to sleep. That is exactly what you did. Uh, yeah. All right. So moving on. Question number three. I'm curious to find out what your guys' favorite mobile games at the moment are. Chad. At the moment, Temple Run 2, which I was a, I loved the first Temple Run and played it for hours and hours, but the game that has really consumed probably easily 20, 30 hours in the last uh, month or so on an iPad is Kingdom Rush. I'm a big tower defense game fan, and this is a really good one. Today, as a matter of fact, I've finished all of the uh, quests, all the stars, all the achievements. My life is sad. I will die alone. But... I love it. Kingdom Rush is great, and anybody that likes tower defense games are great. And that's a good thing about mobile gaming in general is just that I play 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there when I've got free time, and it's great. Love it. It's like $2.99. Go buy it. Awesome. I will go buy it because I'm also a huge tower defense game fan, and I have not played that one yet. Go get it. So I will. But that is actually not what I was going to say today, even though... I do have a lot of fun with tower defense games, but I was actually going to talk about the uh, Kyrosoft series of games. Probably none of you guys have played them, but they're really fun. They're kind of like if you're into like the micromanaging thing (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) Some of my favorites are like uh, Pocket Academy or Hot Spring Story. The new one is Dungeon Village, and I have not played it yet, but it looks amazing. And, um, you know, they're just really fun if you like to... Just do the micromanaging thing and get all the achievements and make cool combinations to get lots of special powers and stuff. They're really fun. You should check them out. Search Kyrosoft and they're awesome. Now, wait a minute. What platform are they on? Did you say? iOS. iOS? So that, that that's iPad. and Of course, Chris. That's the only thing you allow in your house, you Mac snob. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm, I'm going to break things up in a minute here, but well. Josh is first. Well, I'll be short since... I'm going to put you to sleep again and say that when I have 10 or 15 minutes, I have about six Scrabble games that I've got going, oh so I've got God. plenty to fill up that oh. 10 15 minutes, so I'm did good. You, did you say Scrabble? Oh, the Scrabble knockoffs. Word Feud is much better than Words with Friends, but some people only play Words with Friends, so I gosh, I concede. Wow. So that's what I do. I've played other games, micromanaging um, style games, Melody. Game Dev Story was... Yep. I don't know that's whether that's on one. iOS. That's Kyrosoft. That's is it? it? Okay. Yep, so that was the well, first one. Well, there you one. go. And that's I a like really that good one. one. I haven't played it in a long time, but I liked it. You should so. check out the other ones. <laughs> I should. Then I'd lose more time to my little tiny smartphone and tablet. Yeah. <laughs> I have big screens to play games on. Yeah. Anyway. Is that it, Josh? Chris, you're up. Okay. That is it. So I'm going to break it up a little bit with the phone games. and I'm going to talk a little bit about the PS Vita, and oh. that would be... Uh, Need for Speed Most Wanted. I have played that game for hours and hours and hours. When I'm looking for a minute to kind of take a break and just relax, turn my brain off completely, Need for Speed Most Wanted is awesome. I cannot recommend it more. It is literally the console version of the game in mobile form. Every single, it's an open world game. You get into your, you know, high performance vehicle and drive around the city finding races and literally every single corner, turn, building, car, tune-up, 
everything is actually available on the PS Vita version that's available on the PS3 and, and the Xbox 360 version. So I love Need for Speed Most Wanted. It is a great game. And if you have a Vita, which most people don't, yeah, but if you do, you and uh, six other people. I know, right? But it is a great game. It truly is. And a quick iOS pick, Apocalypse Max. Check it out if you don't know what I'm talking about. Just go, just go download it. You won't regret it. Good stuff. Apocalypse Max and Need for Speed Most Wanted. There you go. All right, guys. I'm excited about this last question because I think we're going to have some interesting discussion and it's exciting to be around for kind of the reshaping of digital content and delivery. So as we all know, House of Cards was just released uh, in the last month or so by Netflix. They released the full 13 episode season one on the same day. And uh, this is obviously a radically different model from a business standpoint and from a consumption standpoint. So I want to get your thoughts on this. Is this a good thing or is it a bad thing? Uh, And I'm interested to hear why you think it is or is not. Melody, what do you think? Uh, To me, I think it's an awesome thing. I mean, that's the way that I have always enjoyed watching shows the most is when you can just kind of sit down and watch the whole thing as quickly as you want to consume it. I mean, I think back to different shows that I first got into after they had already come out, such as 24, Lost, Grey's Anatomy, all of those shows I watched the first couple seasons, like back to back to back. And that definitely, you know, gives you a different and I think better experience of the show. So as far as experiencing the show, I think it's definitely a great thing. As far as like the viability of the business model, I don't know exactly how that's going to work out for Netflix. um, But I hope it works great because I would certainly prefer to receive my content that way. I completely agree. 100%. That's the only way I would want to watch. And I'm embarrassed to say I watched them. But the only way I would want to watch shows like 24 and Lost. Did you say you're embarrassed to watch 24? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, wow. Don't Let's you work, go back to the guilty pleasure list. From don't last you time. Uh, work next door what? to Jack Bauer? Yeah, that's right. Aren't you in the same? Like, aren't you in that <laughs> counterterrorism yes, unit? Yes, I am. Don't okay. out him. So yes, I think it is a wonderful thing, and I think Netflix is doing us all a great service. Their business model is subscription based already. Why not give the people as much? Give the people content in chunks. Make it happen. That's how I want to watch it when I have some time free. So, The interesting thing to me is that people are comparing this to television, and it bugs me because this isn't television. This is completely different. And so people are saying, well, aren't you losing something when you don't do it weekly? Well, no, because, uh, I mean, what I was thinking is this is not every week they have to do. And it's no longer linear, I guess, is what I would say. They can put everything out at once, and then you can watch at your own pace. You know, it's not weird when the news organizations stopped printing everything at 6 a.m., you know, with what happened the day before, now we get things immediately online. You know what I mean? Like the medium changes, so should, excuse me, the the medium. In other words, you know, if, if, if all the episodes are available at once, why not put them all available at once and let us watch them anytime we want? If we want to watch them and have a week in between, you can do that. If you want to watch them all in one night, you can do that. There's no reason why this should be an issue. It's so funny to me that people get up in arms about this. And just like Josh said, we're already paying for the service. So they're not getting money for advertisers. That doesn't matter. The only thing that they're missing out on is word of mouth every week. But I think as shows change, as this model becomes more and more enticing, I've got a feeling that most networks are going to even begin going to this model, saying we're going to hold our episodes back until they're all available, and then we're just going to release them, and then you can watch them online, or you can follow along the weekly, you know, whatever it is. And so 
it really should be this way. This is the way that people, like everyone said, want to watch, and I think it's a great thing. I can't wait to see what we're going to be doing with these types of shows over the next you know, 10, 15 years. It's going to be a completely different beast. Yeah. I, I hesitate to use the word should, that they should be doing this. And, and let, me, let me first say that I love to binge watch uh, television. I've I've found a lot of shows, and that's a benefit. I found a lot of older shows that had one or two seasons under their belts that I was able to watch and then catch up with the rest of the world and then share that experience with them live. But I do have a few concerns, and I want to mention those to you guys and get your get your thoughts on this as well. You know, one of the things that, and Chris, you touched on it, it's not just the anticipation and the word of mouth, but I think back to a show like Lost, for example. I mean, you had Lost fan clubs, you had conspiracy theories, you had websites dedicated to the mythology. What's going to happen? What does this mean? Where is this going? And all of that really sort of helped that show become part of the cultural zeitgeist, if you will, partly because it was elongated over a stretch of time. Imagine now if Lost had been released in its entirety, what a completely different experience that would be. So on the one hand, while as a selfish, self-absorbed consumer, I want what I want when I want, uh, and I want to be able to watch it whenever I have time, I also feel like we may be losing a little bit of something that really helps build anticipation and builds a culture and a following around some of these shows that can be spectacular. Not not to mention either the spoiler issues that you run into. Uh, you know, how far have you seen? How far have you seen? I can't tweet about episode seven because I don't know if you've seen episode four. Uh, little things like that that still make me pause a little bit and wonder, you know, overall, though, is this still a good thing? And you know, talk about the business model a little bit. I know Netflix is working on adding new content and new shows, so they have stuff year-round. But what's to stop a person from ponying up the eight bucks to watch this show for one month and then canceling and then coming back and doing it again? We can say Netflix won't matter because they'd get two months out of that, but I don't think ultimately that's their goal. So I still have a little bit of questions about it, a little bit of questions. Yeah, yeah I, if only Lost had been released all at once, yeah. we could have all had our <laughs> questions not answered much quicker. But I think I think I think you you bring up an interesting question. But I think that that means also, Chad, that shows are going to have to change a little bit, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think that sure you can release an entire season of Lost, and that would maybe ruin a little bit of things. But if you if if you're developing a show like Lost with the intent of doing that, you're going to do things a little differently. Um, yeah, but I is think, that is that a good thing? I mean, you guys, sure. you guys are huge Lost fans. I mean, you remember the, yeah. I mean, you used to have Lost viewing parties where people would come over to the house and and yeah. watch what's going to happen. You lose I, all of that in this. No, model. you don't. No, you oh, don't. You, no, do. you don't. You totally no, do. You don't. You don't. Sure, you, you do. Let me tell you why. Because people like us will make a podcast for each episode. And so what you'll do is you'll go, you'll watch episode one on Netflix, and then you'll look up a podcast and listen to episode one talking about it. That's one. not what I'll and do. And you go to episode two. <laughs> no, sure, I, why not? Because if I watch episode one and I love it, I'm going to watch episode two, and then at 4.30 in the right? morning, I'm going to have already been at episode seven. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not exactly. waiting on anything. Well, you don't have to. And again, that's what I'm saying. Like, if, if you don't want to, if you want to watch it that way, you can. And so I, I'm just saying shows will change, and that's not necessarily a bad but, thing. But you do have to admit that as excited as we were once we got into watching it weekly, yeah. as excited we, as we were to see the weekly episode, we were equally as excited to listen to the transmission, that podcast. Yeah. That So, I mean, I, I do agree with Chad to a certain extent. I think there are shows that... Yeah, but it's just going to have to change. That's not a bad thing. Or maybe there's room for both. This yeah. is the culmination yeah. if, of the of the instant gratification culture that we I live agree. in. This is the future, and it's happening. I understand. Well, it's gratification. You still, It's still the same amount of time invested. 
No, instant no. gratification is in. What happens next? Well, screw this. I'm finding out. Yeah. You can't. But there is a stopping point, though. The, season one, we now have to wait another year and a half to get season two. There is a moment, a break here, where there will be some time in between. They're not going to suddenly sure. just... Sure. But, I mean, I have very, very vivid memories of sitting around with friends talking about episodes of television that we watched. Did you see that last night? Or have you seen oh, this? I, I remember when well, they No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not, listen, I'm all about it. I'm just saying these are questions that we need to ask because it's going to change the way that people consume consume content. And I don't know that that's uh, – the delivery system technology, it is what it is. But yeah. there's something special about – kind of a, a group cultural excitement built around good television and i think we may maybe that may be a thing of the past welcome to the main event our main event this week we're going to talk about the americans the greatest threat the united states now faces is the soviet union hello the americans have new intelligence undercover agents hiding all over the u.s no one has any idea who they are well, they look like us. They speak better English than we do. Maybe there's another way. I would lose everything before I would betray my country. You're my wife. Is that right? The Americans, only on FX. Uh, for those of you who haven't heard about it yet, don't know, it's set in Washington, D.C. Right after Ronald Reagan was elected president, centers around two Russian sleeper agents, uh, KGB agents, who are married, and it's about their missions and their lives here in America. And we're all going to go around. We're going to have a spoiler-free discussion first, so no worries about this first little segment. And then we will get into talking about the first three episodes. So, Chad, what did you think about The Americans? Well, uh, in short, I absolutely loved it. I'm going to be honest. When we decided to do this show, I was not really kind of apathetic about it because I'd heard a little bit, but not not enough to get me excited. And uh, I've seen through the first four episodes, and overall impression is that it is it's excellent, excellent TV. There's lots of wow moments throughout, very tense. The action is really good. One of the things that I really appreciate about this show is that when people fight each other, and this sounds like a nitpick, but when people fight each other, it actually feels like a fight. I mean, they have weight. It's serious. It's an, an adult show. I mean, it's really, really very good. And I'm typically a person that it takes me, even on magnificent shows like Mad Men and Breaking Bad, it's usually around episode four, five, or six where it really kind of clicks for me, and then I buy in. But this is this is the only show that I can remember in a long time, other than like Lost or The West Wing, where as soon as the credits rolled on the pilot, I was in 100%. So thumbs up. I really like what this show's doing. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Uh, I've seen the first three episodes, and... At first, when I heard about this episode or heard about the series coming out and I saw a couple of the trailers and commercials for it, it really did not have me all that excited. I thought it looked a little cheesy and I wasn't exactly sure what was going on. But one of the things, you know, that hooked me almost instantly and I really was interested to at least see for myself was that, well, first of all, spies, right? I mean, I'm down for spies. But but second of all, Carrie Russell, I really like her and uh, I like most of what she's done in the past. And so I was excited just to kind of see what she was doing and, and kind of what they were doing with this period drama. And I think at this point in cable networks, if you can do a period drama, usually you're pretty good. And this takes place early 80s, 
but it doesn't really rest on the fact that it's in the 80s. Like I feel like Mad Men and a few of the other shows that kind of are, you know, period pieces, like even like Game of Thrones and all these other kinds of things that kind of take place in a in a specific period or specific time. They they really kind of delve into that world and the the world's almost a character into a, itself. But what I liked about this is it didn't like do any cheesy 80s jokes. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't it's not really like all into itself about being in the 80s. It just literally is people living in the 80s and that's it. There's no uh, gimmick there. And I'm really glad that they decided not to do that. A lot of my other stuff is is kind of going into spoilers. But another thing that gave me pause though too, especially after the first episode, was I felt like this was another network drama where I wasn't sure if I should be rooting for the main characters or not. Because as you said in your synopsis, Josh, you know, these are KGB agents, right? These are the quote unquote bad guys. And so I'm never, I was never sure if I should be rooting for, you know, the main characters in Breaking Bad, the main characters in Sopranos, the main characters, even in like Game of Thrones, like I already mentioned, Mad Men, like these are not quote unquote good people, but they're fascinating. And I enjoyed every single, you know, the three episodes that I've seen so far. So I'll, I'll talk a little bit more when we get into spoilers. Yeah, I, uh, I also enjoyed the show. I think Chris said kind of a lot of what I was going to say about it. I wasn't super excited to watch it either, just because like Chris said, the the protagonists are questionable as to whether they're, you know, good or bad or whatever. And I, I just didn't know if I really wanted to see a show about that. But very quickly into the first episode, I was I was pretty hooked. I, I'm probably not quite as ravingly reviewing it as you guys are. Um, I do enjoy it. I will probably keep watching it. But I'm not like, you know, ready to go down as soon as this is over and like watch the next episode or whatever. I think that Chris's point of bringing up the period is interesting because it's something I've thought about a few times while watching the show. Sometimes you can almost even forget that it's in the 80s. It just feels like a spy show. And then, you know, someone will be wearing something and you're like, oh, yeah, this is in the 80s or or whatever. And I do think it's interesting that they don't necessarily engage the time period as much as some shows do. And I think, you know, maybe that is a good thing. I, I also think that and this might be a little bit into spoilers, I'm not sure. I, I think that the relationship between obviously the the two main characters is definitely a very interesting part of the show and probably what makes me even more interested in it than the spy stuff, although I yeah. love a good spy story as much as anybody. Yeah. But but I do think that maybe sets it apart as something a little bit even more interesting. Oh, that, that wasn't a spoiler at all, actually. Um, a couple of the show descriptions I've read say it focuses on the complex marriage of two <laughs> Russian agents. So, well, there you go. Well, there That's you go. A word. Yeah, it is. So I'm going <laughs> to zoom out a little bit. And I just want to say that FX as a network, good for them for taking chances on some unconventional shows. You've got shows like this, you've got Louie, you've got Wilfred, which I don't know what they're doing with that, but way to be original. <laughs> <laughs> so, so people like but, you can say they're original. Yes. Exactly. So, but Louie is fantastic. It is. Yes. But, yep. Don't they also have Justified? I'm sorry. I, they I, do. I, yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that them? Okay. Yeah. And... On top of that, they put, I don't know whether this is going to stay this way, but they put all five episodes of The Americans up on their network for free with no ads, and yeah. it's amazing. You can just blow right through them as if they were Netflix. The show itself, you guys have said a lot already, not getting into spoilers. I'm with Chad on the whole fighting being realistic thing. That's good. Another thing the show does a lot is sex, and I'm not really sure why. 
it's a TVMA LSV show, so <laughs> they've got to show some sex, but they're a cable network, yeah. so they can't be HBO. And what's the point? Is just they're trying to I'm be saying. trying I, to be edgy. I, I but they can't. They're not allowed to be. So I don't I don't understand the whole. Well, but, I think I mean, in my opinion, some of those HBO shows like obviously take it way over. They the, overdo it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so I feel like I feel like kind of this show does it in a, a better way in that it's not obviously so graphic but you still get the sexiness of it or whatever so i mean i agree it does focus on that probably more than necessary but in order to compete with these other shows and be a little bit cleaner i think that's kind of i think i've been desensitized to violence and sex i blame the culture (laughs) (laughs) but wrapping up non-spoiler discussion um the acting is strong the writing is uneven in my opinion cinematography is good mm-hmm. but i'm anxious to get into actually talking about a couple of the episodes yes let's mm-hmm. do it the rest of it let's just tell people should they watch the show okay. chad do you think people should watch the show listening yeah i mean if, if you like action or if you like intense kind of drama certainly if you like spy stuff that goes without saying but i think this is just very well constructed television from the top down solid editing good cinematography nice tight storyline so i would say yes melody yeah i think it's definitely worth the watch josh i am genuinely on the fence Oh. Watch the first two episodes and see what you think. Yeah, and I, I, I think definitely if, you, if you're into spy shows, if you enjoyed Alias, if you enjoy, and I'm going to get into this into spoilers, Homeland, you're, you're probably going to feel right at home here. It's, it's a lot of fun. So, yes, go, go watch The Americans. You killed them. No, I am your f- Whoa, spoilers. All right, so we've talked about the general overview of the show and what we thought. Now let's talk about the episodes in specific. And you might not want to be listening, as the bump might have told you, if you haven't seen these episodes. Yeah, so let's so, talk about the pilot. Yes, pilot. Impressions on the pilot. I mean, I, the way that I want to start is at the actually at the end of the pilot. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that was the number one thing that bothers me that I think is too convenient and cute is that the FBI agent lives across the street from them. That is just, an, isn't that a little just too annoying? Does that bother anybody else? Okay, yeah, I had I had that in my notes. It was a yeah. good pilot, but around the edges of the plot, it's, yeah. it's like it's halfway done. Well, that, it's, it's all been done before. Well, no, it just, it just seemed too convenient. For the, for the rest of the show to be so, you know, wanting to be realistic and even uses, using pieces of like, real spy craft you know we've been to the the spy museum in washington dc and you know kind of seen some of these things that they actually using which is a lot of fun you know later on in the in the season they use a little umbrella and uh that that's an actual thing and so that was just that was cool to see but i i just thought it was all this realism all this realistic stuff and then all of a sudden you've got the fbi agent living across that's just that's just too convenient right it's it's, it's a little stupid. convenient sure but it's yeah. a strong dramatic device i mean it is it though I, doesn't it sure. ruin things for you how no does it ruin it no how can, the, how, how can it ruin it i mean the it really depends on how they use it yes i mean you have to there's some degree of with any show like this that you just kind of have to take the rules as it lays them out and say, okay, yeah. this is the world. This is how it's going to be played. Literally, it's not just any, it's not just, you know, a random FBI agent. It's the FBI agent that's going to be investigating him. Like, uh, of course it is. Well, have you seen Breaking Bad or Dexter? I mean, yes. it's, yes. it's a, it's a trope by now. It yeah. is. And, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I just feel like in the writer's room, they could have said, yeah, maybe we could have them meet in a different way. Okay. Like maybe, I don't know. He's, so let he, me ask you this. If, 
if he didn't live across the street from him, but they yeah. just knew each other. Maybe they met at the gym or, or whatever. Right. Just the fact that they know each other, is that what bothers you, or is it because he actually lives across the street? It's because literally there's that moment of them walking across the street with the, whatever it was, baked goods to welcome them into the neighborhood. And he, the, the, the family were like, so what do you do? Uh, oh, I'm an FBI agent. Right. Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Not only did... Is he across the street? He's like, I work for the FBI. Yeah. I'm in counterintelligence. I mean, exactly. He what? says this. And, and, and as and, we all know with Josh, he can't tell you who he really works for. <laughs> so we know that's not realistic. That's right. Exactly. Neither can you, or is that just out of shame? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, okay. So anyway, with all that beside, I, I'm just saying that that just seems a little cute to me. It, they could have dealt with that a little bit better, and they could have introduced those characters. to. And the reason why... I feel like is they want to have that last scene with the FBI agent walking into their garage, opening up the trunk, and then him him no longer suspecting or whatever. But even- yeah, but you can't poo poo that moment, Chris. I mean, yes, the, I can. That tension, that that last shot of his silhouette was when the thing comes down was yes. awesome. It was well shot. It was it awesome. Was, but in context, what was he you get- doing there? He was going to kill him. He had, he had, a, a, he had a gun no, with no, a silencer. No, 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 no. Why did he was just hanging out in the garage? He heard the guy come in. What? Yeah, they didn't have a motion sensor in the garage. He, he's, he's, a, he's a super spy. He's a super spy, Josh. And yeah. he knew. He's asleep. Tell, no, no he's he wasn't. Super spy who, was, who should have been asleep. Anyway, I'm just saying that last scene was very, you're right. Dude. As far as like, if you were watching it out of context, you'd be like, oh my gosh, this, this show looks amazing. But after you realize and know that this guy's just a random FBI agent who's moved into the house across the street, has suspicions he seems a little bit questionable. He's at home at strange hours. Not just, I mean, I mean, come on. Okay, I agree. It's convenient, of course. But the show also plays on the fact that it was a different time where everybody was extremely paranoid about everybody. Sure. The, and and it really, to me, the big thing is when, when the APB goes out for the certain model of car that he has, and it's that car, yeah. I mean, that kind of gives you a little bit of, of motivation there. So, uh, yeah, it's a little convenient, but it's also, it's a device. And it, for me, it worked anyway. I thought it was fine. I thought that was the only one of the only things in the plot. I mean, the pilot that really didn't work for me was that moment. I thought what? in the pilot, uh, I agree that that's a little bit contrived, but I, I think it works and it makes the show good. My confusion in the pilot came with the motivations of the husband character. Is is it Philip? Is that Phillip. his name? Yeah. Yep. Like okay, so halfway through the show, he's ready to throw in the towel. And, you know, turn them, turn themselves in, turn in the guy that yeah. they've got stuck in the tr- car trunk and completely go against his wife's begging him to not do it. Like she doesn't want that to happen no matter what. And he's just going to go ahead and do it anyways. And then somehow in this scuffle that they have with the guy in the trunk, he sees like that this guy has obviously hurt her very bad in the past. And Somehow that changes his mind on everything. And I, I didn't really understand that motivation. I didn't understand why he completely did a 180 to the point where now he's willing to do anything to stay in this role that he's in. I don't, uh, I, I, well, I, don't, I, don't I didn't see it that way as much as I think that he obviously is somebody that has learned to love the American way of life. He gets along with the people, and he's certain open, certainly open to the idea of having his family there. I don't think he was 100% that direction, except for the fact that he was tempted by this guy telling him about the money and you can get away and all this stuff. As a man that has a wife, I, I certainly understood the look 
on his face when he realizes what this guy has done to his wife. And in a moment of extreme passion and calculated anger, he kills him. But uh, I mean, I, so I well, isn't, isn't the crux of this entire story, though, that that is not the relationship that they have, though? Yeah. Yeah. Like, but it's uh, obvious to me that he doesn't feel that way. Don't, don't, didn't you guys it, think though? it was obvious? To me, I thought it was clear no, that that he I, loved his wife, even though she didn't love him more than she loves him. Yes. Absolutely. I thought that was clear. To I, me, I it was. So. I, I think so. But I think at the same time, though, it, it's not like he's expecting her at any point because, I mean, they've been together for all these years. Right. They have two kids. Well, I mean, I was just going to say, yeah, I, I thought that up until the point where he's ready to be betray her and yeah. he's getting the guy out of the car against her wishes to go turn him into his neighbor because he's done with it. So like he what he was ready to, to throw in the towel, completely go against her wishes. So did he love her? I don't know. It was just confusing I think, to me. I think, I think for the most part he did because he thought it was going to be the best thing for them. Like this is going to be the way that they could survive because they were going to be found out and he needed to do something that would help the family survive That's so that it. they both go to jail and both get, you know, executed and the kids get broken up and, you know, get labeled as the, you know, KGB kids. Right. You know what I mean? Like I think that was his motivation even more so than just he, I think he had given in to the idea that, that Elizabeth was never actually going to love him and he was just, he was fine with that, but he at least wanted the kids to have a chance. And he wanted to have maybe even them to have a chance if perhaps they were no longer, you know, KGB agents having to do these whatever covert operations throughout the, the next latter part of their lives or whatever. So I think, I think that was the motivation there. I think anyway. Yeah. And well, I think the, I'm sorry, go ahead, Josh. I was just going to say, just to clear something up, the guy in the trunk wasn't the one who raped her. He let it happen. He let the, he left the room while the other guy did it. Right, but he he gave that whole speech about how cadets were perks, you know, right before right. that happened. Right, so, right. Wait, no, what? no, no, wait, no, wait, I, whoa, whoa, whoa. no, 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 are you sure? I thought, I thought, yeah, yeah, what he said was when, right before he got killed, what he said was, I let the captain have his way with the cadets, it was a perk of the job. Ah, uh, so he was the trainer. It, it took me a bit too, because I, I thought I he was I didn't the catch that too. at all. I thought it was, I thought he was the guy because he was a high ranking official, right? But that. He was the trainer that walked away at the scene oh, when it okay. happened, and he walked away. There you go. I missed it. I missed yeah. it. Well, Good. I, Good. I think that the complexity of their relationship is one of the best things about the show. The fact Indeed. that the woman is so convinced that she needs to protect the homeland at all costs, and he is so – and he even says in the pilot, he has a line where he says, of course I, I believe in the homeland, but not as – it's not as important as my family. I think that dynamic is what's going to be great. Hopefully, we'll continue throughout the season. And I know uh, you guys have seen up through the third episode. In the second yeah. episode, for example, in the clock episode, yeah. I literally had a moment where my jaw dropped and when he was smothering the man in his bed that they had poisoned. And it was so intense. And to see the mother there crying and, you know, begging for his life. And then they leave that and then they sit in the in the car and he has this look of just disgust. He hates himself. He hates everything about what he's doing. And then his wife reaches over and takes his hand to comfort him as if to say, this is what we just have to do. That tension in that relationship is is really, really well done. I think that it's really going to be what propels the show it's yeah. pretty great it's pretty great i agree with you that that was a that was that was an amazing thing to see what what these guys who you know we've always seen these archetypes in other films like a james bond film or whatever and you see just the the villain aspect just the you know the cold hard villain but we've never seen you know what happens after they've you know killed the spy or what happens after they've done these horrible things and that is what we're getting we're getting the actual yeah. human aspect of these 
Russian spies that we've been able to just villainize for the last however many years. Yeah. And let's dovetail that or, or transition into that next question for you guys. I did actually have that conversation internally while I was watching this saying, these are the bad guys, right? Yeah, yeah. Am I supposed to pull for these guys? Do I pull for these guys? Yeah, that that is actually my only note for episode two is that every main character is an anti-hero. Yeah. Like the, the KGB agents, they're KGB agents. The FBI agent is not likable at all. And just everyone who is involved in the main advancing the plot is just kind of an a-hole. No, you you, you you don't like the FBI agent? I like the FBI agent. Oh, I can't agent. stand that guy. Really? No, no. no. Do you, That's do because mean... he works down the hall from Josh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, no. Do you mean like you don't like the actor or do you mean you don't think the character is? Because I think the rest uh, of the characters are fairly call. reprehensible. You know, they're, they're all not reprehensible, but I mean, they're doing things that are fairly awful. The FBI guy is actually, I mean, he's literally the 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 good guy, quote unquote. He, he would be the one. No, he's not. Didn't you see him in the stereo store? Didn't you see him shaking down the Russian girl? I mean, he's still Jack. He's still he's Jack the Bauer. American version. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 he's, he's the American version of the KGB agents doing what he has to do. And if that involves being not, a complete tool, then he's going to do it. That's not necessarily true. I don't think he would have ever killed anybody. I don't think he would have ever gone that far. I mean, maybe he will. Maybe he will. Maybe he will. Excellent. Well, are there any other any other specific things you want to hit on in spoilers before we move on? Other than I thought I did think that it was interesting that the creator of this show, at least on IMDb and what I could find on the Internet, really the only other thing he's ever done is was he was a producer and a writer on Falling Skies. Do you guys remember that show? Uh, and there's your answer. <laughs> no. Uh, right? Yeah. I heard about it. Isn't that, right. the, is that the one on it TNT? Was the, yeah, the Steven Spielberg alien invasion oh thing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And so I find that interesting because this is obviously a clear step up. Uh, the pilot was actually <laughs> directed by the director of Warrior, Gavin O'Connor. Do you guys – have you seen the movie Warrior? By chance, no. is that the the boxing? It's film? the two. It's the two brothers yeah, MMA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really yeah. good. That's 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 much better than just a typical genre fight film. If you don't, yeah. if you haven't seen that, you should check that out. Anyway, sounds like we're all pretty positive. Josh maybe is going to continue to watch. Chris is definitely in. I'm definitely in. Yeah. And Melody is a little bit more towards the yes than she is the no. Before we go, the pilot has the best use of a Phil Collins song that I've seen on TV in a very long time. Now, is that the opening sequence? No, no, no. It was, it's the sequence after they dump the body. It's the whole, their whole ride in the car. Yeah. Like, yeah, they, yeah, they yeah, use yeah. two aspects of the song strangely well, I thought. Yeah, it's hard to go wrong with 80s music. Yeah, exactly. And we're going to move on to the cutting room floor. The cutting room floor. All right, the cutting room floor is where we take all the leftover bits that we've been talking about over the week or have been interesting popped up in the news that we want to discuss briefly with you guys. And so uh, I'm going to throw it over to Melody and she's going to tell you what the topics are. Melody? So our first topic today is to discuss some trailers because we all enjoy watching trailers, enjoy talking about them, certainly have some opinions on them. So first of all, we're going to talk about our current favorite trailers. Chad, what do you say? Yeah, I've got two. I've got two and an honorable mention, if that's okay. One is kind of my, it's kind of grandfathered in for this year, and it's not fair. And I talked about it on the first podcast, but that's Man of Steel. I get chills <laughs> when I see it. I can't help it. It's just, it's the fanboy in me. But that trailer is very well done. So this, which one are you talking about? I'm There's talking about, two variants, I'm talking about right? the extended trailer, <clears throat> the full trailer, excuse me. Oh, uh, okay. It's got beautiful cinematography. Uh, I love the use of the score, good action. But anyway, I'm not, I don't want to beat a dead horse. Man of, man of, steel for me but 
One that I wasn't expecting that I saw recently is After Earth. Have you guys seen this trailer? Yeah. With Will Smith and Jaden yeah. Smith, directed by M. Night Shyamalan, which... Uh, uh, what? You, wonderful. Yeah. You didn't know that? They have no. left that. Right. They left it off the marketing on purpose because his... Yes, they his, have. His Good. name used to be a seal of approval, and then uh-huh. it became the, the kiss of death. But that trailer is great. I mean, it really looks wonderful. And I'm... I'm rooting for the guy. I hope he can return to form because he used to be a, a force, a, a really good filmmaker. And I don't, I don't know what happened, but uh, I'm pulling for him. And then my honorable mention is going to be Evil Dead. This is a remake uh, of the uh, Evil Dead, and I'm a, a big fan of Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, directed by Sam Raimi. Back when I was younger, it was one of the, kind of the first R-rated movie that I was allowed to see, and I wasn't allowed to see it. I just saw it. And I was going to say, your parents are allowed right. to see it. No, wow. I shouldn't say aloud. But I, <laughs> I loved it. It was funny. It has Bruce Campbell, who's become a cult horror hero. This uh, trailer looks uh, a little more intense, a little more serious, but to me looks r- really great, and I'm excited about that one as well. Chris, what about you? Okay, so current trailers. Now, I'm, I, I took this to mean that trailers that had been around over the last year, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna say one that's already come and gone, just because I think it's one of the very best trailers that has ever been made. And I watched this trailer over and over and over again. Never got to see the movie, but the trailer is still one of the very best. And that is Cloud Atlas, the seven minute preview. Did you guys get a chance to see that when it was available at all? There went my list. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> oh no, no! Yes, I, I did saw not. It and I, it was great. I didn't okay. watch it because I knew I was going to see the movie, and I didn't want I, it to mess just, anything up for me. It literally is a short movie, and I guess Josh, you were going to talk about it. So it fantastic! I'll, no, 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 no! I wasn't going to talk about it at length, okay. but I agree. It just—it really is a short film in and of itself. Beautiful, beautiful. I don't know how the movie is itself, but again, it is a gorgeous-looking trailer. It just—it blew my mind. And the current trailer of a movie that's not actually out yet. I, I I was obviously I was in for Iron Man three. Obviously I was you know gonna go see the movie. I have seen all the all the Marvel films. Huge fan. You know the Avengers was my favorite film of last year. Iron Man three though, because Iron Man two was such a disappointment for me. I was kind of hedging my excitement for that film. I was watching the Super Bowl, and the Super Bowl spot came on for Iron Man. And what really gets me excited about trailers is something I've never seen before, something you know I wasn't expecting. And so when the trailer for the Super Bowl ad came on and it was just you know Air Force One flying through the air, people inside Air Force One, and all of a sudden a hole being blown on the back end of that thing and people flying out. And I was like, what? What is this for? This looks amazing. What? 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 I, I couldn't even place it. And then all of a sudden, Iron Man flying out the back of Air Force One and asking how many people are in the air? They say 14. How many can I carry? Four or whatever it was. And he was like, oh boy, I was in. I was like that just one scene, 30 seconds of just one focused. It wasn't a bunch of cuts. It was just one focused 30 second, just excitement. I just, I was blown away by that. And I really, really enjoyed that trailer. I thought it was well done, edited perfectly. And it looked great. What about you, Josh? Like I said, I agree with Chris about Cloud Atlas. It was a fantastic trailer, and I was very disappointed when I heard that the movie didn't quite live up to it. Haven't seen the movie yet, though, so I probably should see it, and then I can pass judgment. Currently, I don't really have any favorite trailers because I've seen some for the current movies, like trailer for Oblivion, why, trailer for... Yeah, <laughs> but I have been, I was on Why? iTunes today. Just, just wait. Just Apple. Wait. I was on Apple.com today and I saw a trailer for a movie that I didn't know was coming out called It's a Disaster. 
It's one of those independent yes. film festival movies with David Cross, and I am interested to see it because mainly because I like David Cross, and I think he'll be good in a movie, and the rest of the development movie needs to hurry up and come out. There you go. So All that's right. me. Melody, tell us why. Well, let me tell you why. I'm sorry to disagree with you, Josh, but Oblivion is actually my pick for my current favorite trailer. Sorry, I'm <laughs> I'm just a sucker no for fun. all of these things. I mean, we have Tom Cruise, we have Morgan Freeman, we have sci-fi and mystery and all of this exciting stuff. I'm sure the movie will probably be crap. I understand that, but <laughs> I'm still super excited about it, and I think the trailer is very engaging and exciting and i can't wait to see it the trailer is gorgeous it looks very good it's directed by the guy that did tron legacy which looked looked great but was awful yeah i should probably separate the trailer from what i think the movie will be like the trailer looked looked okay yeah Yeah. well speaking of the trailers that look one way and go another i think we've got another topic here so let's talk about some trailers maybe that were not as good as the film turned out to be and then maybe some trailers that were great and then the film turned out to be bad so let's start with trailers that were good but the film didn't live up to expectations chris you got any any thoughts there Uh, so i was uh, just doing some research online and i found this and it is absolutely true now i don't necessarily disagree i don't agree that it's necessarily a bad bad movie but it definitely did not live up to my expectations and the trailer for this film was literally like excitement above excitement. And that is for the matrix reloaded. (laughs) Uh, The, the matrix reloaded trailer is fantastic. I mean, you've got like all this amazing action, all this stuff on, on the freeway. You've got stuff you've never seen before. People going invisible and flying into cars and just all this crazy, crazy stuff. And at the end, Neo flies through the air, which we've never seen before. It was just, you know, when you see that, when I saw that in the theater for the very first time, I was blown away. I, I was just excited beyond excited. And definitely the film did not live up to that expectation. Uh, but the trailer still, I mean, I can't recommend it. High. I mean, I was watching it thinking to myself, I got to see this movie. I, I think Matrix Reloaded gets a little bit too much hate. Uh, I think it's okay. The The one for me that was worse was Matrix Revolutions. I thought that one was awful. Yeah. Come on, Will Ferrell was in that movie. Oh, well, no, we're talking about the movie. But, I mean, still the trailer, though, for... Yeah. Reloaded is one, and, and one again, of the best ever. You, right. go, go go to uh, YouTube right now and and watch that sucker. It is it's a it is a piece of art. I think the Wachowskis must be in charge or at least have oversight in their trailers because they definitely tell a story. There's transitions there that are like really clever, and it's not like a normal prepackaged. You can tell it came from someone that has a little bit of vision. So anyway, Matrix Reloaded. So Melody, what what do you think? So I I took some time to think about this one because obviously there are a a lot that I could have say. I think trailers frequently fail to deliver or the movies fail to deliver on what the trailers promise. But I was trying to think of one that was like especially standing out in my mind. And this one, the, the trailer was super awesome, but also the franchise is something that I love dearly. So I think that also added to the disappointment of the film. But the one I'm going to say is Transformers. I was definitely like crazy out of my mind excited to see that movie and the trailer was very exciting and beautiful and whatever and i'm not not a huge fan of the movie at all so that's what i would say thank you you. yeah terrible well mine is actually one and i'm going to go back even way old school not way old school but medium old school when this trailer first came out not only was it an amazing trailer but it got geeks around the world psyched beyond belief and then the movie was 
I don't want to say a drastic disappointment. I think it also unfairly gets criticized to some extent, but that is The Phantom Menace. <laughs> when that trailer first came, I mean, that that's the only movie that I can remember, yep. uh, and maybe in my life, outside of when I was, uh, you know, an early teenager, like standing in line at midnight, line wrapped around the theater for that experience, and then leaving and being like... <laughs> I think I, I think I hated it, you know, <laughs> and that was very disappointing because that trailer, I watched it again, actually, in preparation for the show. And I, I was just like, this looks so awesome. I can't wait to yeah. see it. Oh, wait a minute. That movie's terrible. So yeah, we, that, I actually watched it, my, too. That, that was one of, that was on my list of, of ones that I was going to say, just because I remember sitting in the computer labs uh, at school and like 15 people gathering around one screen oh, yeah. to watch this trailer. You know, like, and this was the time when QuickTime was like a little small window. You couldn't go full screen. It wasn't in HD. But I mean, it looked amazing. Oh, and yeah. there was just, oh my gosh, what? What was going to happen? And yeah, you're right. It was definitely not what I was expecting at all. Nope. Josh, what about you? Okay, so when we first came up with this question, I thought of this movie, and then I went back and watched the trailer and realized that the trailer wasn't super great, but I'm sticking with it because I still think it's the biggest letdown of all time, and I think you might agree with me on that one, Chad. But my pick for this one is Aragon, because <laughs> that <laughs> and John Malkovich and Jeremy Irons are in that movie. Oh my it is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, I, I have literally blocked that experience from my mind. Seriously. So we, I'm sorry, we have to take 30 seconds to tell the story. So yeah. jo Josh and I used to live in the same town together. And Josh is a, a very intelligent person. And he doesn't read a lot for fun. And so I'm trying, in my efforts to dumb him down, I made some kind of bet with him or something happened where I forced him to read a book of my choosing. So I gave him Aragon. And he read it and actually liked it. So we were we were both kind of sharing in the excitement of, man, they're making this into a movie. It's going to be the next Lord of the Rings. And then we went and watched it together. And I'll never forget, like, 45 minutes into it, we're, like, looking at each other like, what is happening to us? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And so as a result, Josh will never read anything I give him again, I'm sure. I, I feel like that's the pain most people felt for also uh, The Last Airbender as well. Like, you know, people get so excited about the source material and they're excited about seeing a film and a trailer comes out that looks great. And then all, I mean, literally, I heard the same thing. I remember Aragon sitting there. The last Airbender was bad, but Aragon was uh, a colossal disappointment. Yeah. Seriously. But uh, Aragon definitely it was It looked like, like they these... made the throne room in Aragon with like pipe and drape. <laughs> paper paper, paper mache. One can light oh, with a red gel over it. Done. And John Malkovich standing there talking. They, that, they, know, turned, they turned all of the all of the creatures, which are these Urgles, these huge, massive, non-human creatures, into like muscular dudes running around with like sheepskin and black face paint. I could not believe it. Anyway. Sorry, in turn, they got to do the dragons. It was yeah, great. It was rough. It That's was rough. Hilarious. That's hilarious. All right. Well, we got a let's we got right. a couple more things here to wrap up, and then we'll go. So let's just real quick. Let's talk about a bad trailer where the movie actually turned out to be pretty good. Chris, do you have any on this one? I do. Yeah, and that is going back to, and I know we talked about it last episode. Us being huge Star Trek fans, Star Trek: First Contact, the teaser trailer for this film. Going back and watching it again, I remember it making me so angry when I went to go see the film because in the teaser trailer, they have taken clips 
because when they took the teaser trailer out, all they'd done is shot principal photography. They hadn't finished the visual effects. And so they threw visual effects in that was very misleading. They showed like the old Enterprise that was destroyed in the previous film back in this film. You know, the first contact, it was like, oh, it's going to be rebuilt. They're going to have it again, whatever, whatever. And no, no, it wasn't there at all. They reused music, sound effects, and just stuff that just did not fit, that did not work at all. That trailer is a mess. This is the uh, geekiest reason to hate a trailer I've ever it, heard. I'm, t- I'm telling you. <laughs> It's a bad trailer, though, too. It just is not well put together. It doesn't, it really misleads you to what the final film is going to be, which was pretty fantastic. But the trailer itself is a completely different beast and tells a different story. How about you, Melody? Okay, so you guys might not agree with me, but my, tr- my pick for bad trailer, good movie is 21 Jump Street. Oh, yeah. Uh, I did not want to see that movie at all. I hate Channing Tatum. I didn't think the trailer was funny. We watched it one night just on Watch Instantly because we had nothing else to do. And the movie was actually great. It's I was very funny. funny. I, I didn't like the trailer and it didn't want me, it didn't make me want to see the movie. But I'm also glad that it didn't give away all the funny parts of the movie. I, I think frequently with a comedy, the trailer will give away every funny part of the movie. So when you go to see it, it's not nearly as funny. So it was good that it didn't, you know, give away every laugh moment. But at the same time, it was not a good trailer. I agree. That movie is actually very funny. I like it a lot. Well, mine, the Wachowskis, have been uh, mentioned a few times in our discussion, and here they are for me. This trailer was terrible and made me not want to see it at all. And the only reason I did see this film was because I had seen everything and I had a free afternoon and nothing else to see. So I went, and I'm glad that I did. And that is Speed Racer. Oh, my gosh. Now, listen, (laughs) that movie is great. I don't understand how people don't like that film. It's got wonderful special effects, super tight action. It's a funny story. It's pretty faithful to the series. Uh, And it's a good film. I think it gets a lot of undue hate. But the trailer, when I saw it, I thought this may be the worst thing I've ever seen. And some people may think it is. But I was pleasantly surprised at the experience. How about you, Josh? For me, if I don't like a trailer i'm really not likely to go see the movie sometimes that doesn't work out for me but i actually have to go back to last week like you did for man of steel and i have to go with life of pi for this one because after seeing the trailer the trailer looked okay i mean it looked good and i could have gone either way about seeing the movie but the movie was really great and i was pleasantly surprised so i think that's got to be my pick the cutting room floor. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Screeners Podcast. Go to our website, screenerspodcast.com. And as Chris said at the top, we are on iTunes now, Screeners Podcast. So check us out there, subscribe. We look forward to hearing from you on the website, iTunes feedback, and we'll see you next time. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to screenerspodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.